Warning, this podcast discusses mature themes, fantasies, and a lot of crazy stuff. The opinions of the discussants highlight their thoughts and feels, but they do not represent their respective institutions. Thank you so much for tuning in to FutureCast. I'm Kristen Santos, and I'm so happy that you're back to listen to my conversation with Thomas Godinet, my friend and colleague from Sydney's Macquarie University on gay manga and its transformations all over the globe. I apologize that this podcast is so late, as my first semester back here in the Philippines um, was truly challenging. Now that the semester is over, I'm no longer buried under papers to mark, and I've got more time to edit this show. So this podcast continues where we left, where Tom and I now examine the shifts in gay manga, what Tom describes as the increasing hybridity in BL manga, where some authors combine aesthetics and techniques from both BL and Yadoke genres. Fans identify these works as hard BL, at least within Japanese spaces, or hard yaoi among English-speaking fans. Tom and I look at the various elements that define these Um, works, as well as where consumers locate the authenticity of these comics. Lastly, we explore the transformations of gay manga as it flows into transnational spaces. We look at the transformations um, in these comics as we discuss various artists outside of Japan who identify their works as para, as well as the new categorizations emerging from the transcultural consumption of gay manga. And with that, as our preview, On to the show! Yeah, so what have we been noticing um, in terms of similarities? Because um, BL, for example, me, still quite BL. Mm-hmm. But there are some artists, for example, like um, Noah Nobora has this... Um, and muscly set of characters and very gachi not really gachi muchi but you know at least I actually from- saw recently a a an anthology that was like called muscular boys like muscular men BL it was like deliberately looking at like hyper masculine Like, yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, let, let's fetishize them. And like, you know, there were some fantastic little scenarios like, oh, oh, what if, what if like a, a, a super like muscular, manly dude was the... like a uke for like this kind of bishonen? Like, you know, yeah. it's just like this, this sort of thing. Yeah. And the thing with BL is it's always operating on the fantastic space. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's never. Moso. Yeah, it's, it's moso. Um, delusion. It's delusion. <laughs> you know, it's one of my favorite words to describe Joshi. Um, it's all within the realm of in- imagination. It's yeah. all within the realm of play, play and potential. Yeah, asobi. Asobi. And, um, and this comes also when they try to depict this kind of eroticism that Tom and I have become mm. aware as of late. Where super, super into. We're still, and that's because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about, per, uh, about uh, Kirsten, but it's because I'm a massive pervert. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, you're, you're not alone on this. Um, where we've been noticing um, there's this chill, chill um, award that came out recently and they have yeah. this interesting subsection called Hado Biel. Yes. Um, yeah. And 
and you know, in foreign spaces and foreign man communities, yeah. you, you, they would use the term hard yaoi, yes, for yeah. example. Um, and this hard yaoi, I think, is an interesting mm. hybrid, yes, yeah. of um. Gekomi and BL because here you have BL artists who are adapting um, aesthetics, uh, mm. whether it's through scenes or you know the physical aesthetic of the characters mm. uh, or how the sex scenes are set yes. up. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that you know follows the pattern of yaroke or yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like um, one one important part of my work on uh, young gay men's consumption of. Uh, Yaroke, Gekome, like uh, in, in Japan, is that they're consuming it together and they're also consuming boys' love together mm. with uh, Japanese gay pornography known as GV, so gay, mm. gay porn videos produced in Japan, yeah. which I think some, some fans of boys' love in, in the West are also beginning to consume. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and what, what I think is happening, and I can't corro- corro- corroborate this, but I, I, I feel that. Um, Fujoshi are beginning to to consume this stuff. I have a video actually of um, a fan meeting with gay porn stars in Japan from 2010, uh, in which I'd say about 30% of the people who attended this this kind of handshake event were women. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I can oh, show that to you. That's downstairs. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I, I think that that. What's happening? Harder be other, and and the 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 convergence, the hybridization of boys' love and mm. yaroke, uh, and gay komi or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I'm I'm not necessarily going to say gay komi here because I'm not sure whether they're actually reading gay komi or whether they're reading yaroke. Because as I, I mentioned before, they're different. Yeah. Um, I think it's yeah. because you have these artists who try to mix these two worlds. I yeah. mean, on one end, while you say that you know there's this increasing consumption uh, there's just women's consumption of gay um, mm. AV at the same GB, GB. Yeah. okay GB um, at the Gaby. same Gaby day or Gaby. okay um, at the same time there's actually quite a lot of manuals on how to draw all of these erotic scenes and these erotic scenes all derive from GV. And you have um, the likes of Scarlett Bedrico, for example, who has drawn a manual on how to draw BL sex poses, how to draw BL kissing poses, etc. And they would have these um, mm. interesting perspectives that would have come. Well, now they actually have um, a three D model where you you know they they can choose from what perspective they could take for a particular scenario. Okay. But um, before that, they would rely on live-action video for particular erotic scenes. Yes, yeah, yeah. And those would come from GV and mm. so on. And as they become, like, for example, Scarlett Perko and others, uh, they become professional artists. Mm. You know, it translates to their works. Yes, yes, it does. And there are some interesting exceptions to this, though. And mm. these are artists who kind of always worked within this border. Like mm-hmm. we have, for example, Ranma Ruzaria who's done um Coyote Mob- uh, Jack or whatever Yeah and quite infamous. Nemuri Otoko yeah. um where 
Actually, Ram Madhusudan, um, as I've done a bit of research on her, mm. she's been doing this stuff since 1990s, during mm. when BL still referred to itself as yaoi. Yeah. And she's been doing these yaoi where kind of disappeared yeah. and re-emerged in the last two or three yeah. years with these highly erotic works that are like the bishonen version of... If Gengoro Tagame drew bishonen, bishonen in one of his yeah. like barrel um, crucifixion um, BDSM mm-hmm. stories, yeah. Yeah. then it would be... So we have like artists like Ram Manuzaria who's doing this notion of hard eroticism, and then there's also another one that you've also studied. Yes, who is a? It's I don't know if it's correct to call him. He publishes in Gay Comi now. He's a self-identified gay manga artist, but he he began his career publishing Boys Love. Uh, and uh, some people may have heard of him, Takeshi Matsu, Matsu yeah. Takeshi, um, and and his his work is also similarly hybrid BL works in the sense that he he was originally publishing in BL spaces and yeah. and but using um, kind of more yaroke aesthetics. aesthetics. However, uh, if you were to compare Takeshi Matsu's work with the works of people like. Um, uh, Tagame Genguro and, and mm. that that kind of circle, if you will. He, his works are nowhere near. It, it's much more Bishonen esque. Yeah. Uh, not it, he isn't he isn't drawing Bishonen because he's, he's not. But but his works are, are much closer to that ideal than they are mm. to to the the Yaroke ideal. I mean, he would fall mm. between what Ramaz uh, does or mm. what. Um, Kashimatsu would be closer mm. to something like what Naonobora does, mm. where you know you have you don't have the lean shoujo hero no. um, that's been featured in shoujo magazines mm. since you know um, the time of the magnificent twenty four, the fabulous forty nine, whatever you want to call them, whatever you want to call them. Um, but but I find interesting with Takashimatsu, but at least with his gay comic work and this BL works that he actually follows the BL Odo or the basic formula yes, of yes, BL. Yeah. That's, that's that is something form. that I noticed that is not present in gay comi. No. Um, when I refer to Odo or this basic BL formula is yeah. that there is the seme and mm-hmm. there is an yeah. uke yeah. and the objective of the narrative is that they fall in love. Yes. And yeah. you know whether they have sex is the prerogative of the author, but yeah. the point is they fall in love. Yeah. Whereas um, your, your typical gay comi um, narrative, uh, if you will, uh, and once again, yaroke gay comi narrative, yeah. doesn't follow this so-called order. It doesn't follow mm-hmm. the narrative structures of boys' love in mm-hmm. the sense that it, it is, it's much more similar to the so-called porn without plot yeah. sort of... Uh, Sort of discourse, but whereas there is always someone who is encoded as as a passive sexual partner yeah. um, in in uh, gay comi of the yaroke variety, it isn't. There's no physical stylistic distinction made between the the top and the bottom, and I don't use semi and uke here because it's not appropriate. But um, would it be? Because mm. um, I've seen this in BL as well, yeah. where you have. 
um, the touchy neko. They're starting mm. to use uh, just to be mm. more authentic, perhaps. Yeah. Someone would you some would describe, mm. um, I you know approach for example in a bar scene and be a be a comic and they'd say are you touchy or are you neko are those terms being used in komi and are those roles um it, it depends so so for example some slice of life uh gay komi which are very much interested in in trying to depict a very realistic mm. representation of gay gay men's experience in japan yes yeah. that sort of negotiation would happen yeah. in tagami gengoro's work except of course ototo no oto um no that wouldn't happen because he's not looking at negotiated sex and in fact uh tagami gengoro's work should probably even be be differentiated once again from from the gay gay komi the yaroke gay komi normativity because uh, Tagami Gengoro is following the uh, the narrative structures which are common to sadomasochistic art in general mm. whether it be uh, homoerotic or uh, heterosexual so it's yeah. it's yeah. more pornographic yeah. 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 Yeah, so, yeah, than yeah, it is yeah, so. really. Yeah. Um, well, it is thing coming, but what I mean, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. leaning towards yeah. a more pornographic yeah. depiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I'd be I'd be hesitant to 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 collapse uh, sadomasochism into pornography. It's it's mm. dangerous to do that. So it but, is. but it's it's that he's the texts that he's following subscribe to the kind of uh, Sardian notions mm. of what sadomasochism should work. So basically. Uh, there, there are certain uh, narrative uh, similarities between some of uh, Tagami Gengoro's longer works mm-hmm. uh, and and texts like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like they're, mm. they're quite similar in the way they approach. That is like yeah. the yeah. that's like the most unusual, and yeah. I don't know yeah. if and that's and that's because and that's because Tagami Gengoro here is not drawing upon. Boys' love, or even manga mm. notions of, of like he, he's of erotic, yeah, yeah yeah. So William Armour has written a really interesting um, analysis of a very early uh, longer work by Tagami Gengoro, which is not translated into English and is mm. is mostly unknown in Western kind of uh, butter fandom. Mm. Uh, the, and I can't actually remember the name <laughs> of the uh, of the text though it's just in here. Um, um, but it, it's 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 it is actually more appropriately understood as a sadomasochistic uh, narrative than than a than what I would call a gay commie narrative. And that's where he got his start. Um, Please read it. I can't. I, I also... Uh, God. <laughs> I can't see the kanji world. No. Kin no hana. Oh, okay. Kin no hana. So silver, silver flowers. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's a it's a uh, it, it's actually set. It's a historical piece as well. So it's set in historical period. And no, if that's what he's been doing for a long. Time. Yeah, 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 and that's that's exactly it. So yeah. and that and that actually draws upon um, post-war Japanese gay erotic art mm. uh, it, to a certain extent, which are fetishized. I think even to a degree, yeah. even the. Um, what was the artist? The name of the artist that you mentioned earlier, the European American. Um, Tom Finland. Yeah. yeah. The kind of um, militarization. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and uh, it's like during the nineteen seventies, uh, traditional uh, representations of Japanese manhood that were very militaristic, such as wearing fundoshi, mm. like the, the traditional Japanese underwear, and. Uh, you know, using a katana and so forth, or fetishized as, as a kind of hyper-masculine yeah. uh, gay identity that was that was normative. So, so yeah. um, gay 
gay、uh, subjectivity in Japan has always,、uh, at least since the post-war period, so since the 1950s to the present day, has always been strongly drawing upon hyper-masculinist、uh, mm. ideologies to construct itself, which is why there is this tendency to kind of think, oh, gay klomi, yadoke, they're the same thing. Um, because they're, they're slotting into that, that hyper masculinist discourse. Tagami Gengoro is the, the, the perfect example of that. Yeah,、mm. sure, that logic is okay, but it falls apart when we recognize that there's a plethora of different kinds of discourses. Yeah, and、um, in, in yeah. terms of masculinities, and、yeah. this is where perhaps BL falls、mm. in, and yes, where these、yeah. hybrid、um, BL mm. slash. Um, Gay comics、yeah. fall in. It's、yeah. because sometimes they also represent these, these kind of、um, soft masculinity. If,、yeah. if That's a term that I don't like. But、yeah. <laughs> I, I use that again with quote non quotes. Yes. Um, um, or this non normative、um, uh, masculinity that deviates from the hyper masculine. And、yeah. This is where I think、um, there's this recent magazine came out that features、um, that features men who actually read BL. Yes, and, yeah, yeah.、Uh, um, it's quite interesting because、yeah. um, you have. I don't know whether how early、um, this fascination started or. You, have you read the entire article?、Yet? I, I have not, I'm afraid.、Um, <laughs> I've read portions of it,、yeah. and my impression is that. Unfortunately, I have classes to teach, and that, that kind of eats into <laughs> my, my research time. I have a thesis to write, and yeah, so I haven't、ah, really、mm. read it thoroughly, but I've read portions of it、mm. where you have men who are, and these are men who identify as straight men. Yes. yes. They're not necessarily,、uh, they don't exactly ascribe、uh, uh, to being. Describes gay, nor do they describe, ascribe to be called as fudanshi either.、Mm. Some do, but not all. Yeah, just on that term fudanshi, that does not have a large valence in Japan at、mm. all. Like、mm. that, that term fudanshi is, it's used, yeah, but it's,、mm. it's not, it, it isn't that I, common, I'd I say. I think it had some valency when. Fujoshi first emerged, and somehow men、yeah. were trying to find, like,、yeah. where do I place myself? I、yeah. love playing BL games or I love、yeah. playing these kind、yeah. of stories,、yeah. but that has lost yeah. Yeah, its valence. Yeah, whereas the, the term Fudanshi is used transnationally quite commonly, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And、um, yeah, I find it interesting because their approach to BL is not so much about how erotic it is、mm. or how pornographic it is, but it's more of how interesting. It is, and they、mm. read it the same way that、um, some Fujoshi would read it, wherein it's an exploration of narrative that's not tackled in a normative, yes, yeah.、Uh, yeah. in a normal, in a regular story, yeah, so yeah, to speak. Yeah.、Um, yeah. And because it offers this different narrative, then you know,、mm. it's cool,、yeah. not really cool. Yeah, yeah. They just they, they, use, they, they widely use the term omoshiro. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting.、Um, and, and It reminds me of what Kazumi Nagaika has written、yeah. about some other, not these particular men, men. I think, but they're different, they're different、mm. uh, self identified straight men who read、uh, Boys Love, who, who read it through、uh, in an attempt to, to kind of、uh, empower themselves.、Yeah. As they, they recognize themselves as, and rather problematically, I'd say, as failed men, hence consuming Boys Love and, and repositioning Boys Love. 
from being uh, homoerotic Rep- to being somehow representative of their yeah. masculinity. Yeah, yeah. So they, they they situate themselves as semi and then position the uke in some sort of uh, third sexed space, if mm. you will. I mean, yeah. it's quite yeah. interesting because mm. not that this is very unique to Japan, yeah. but um, boys love and gay komi mm. are just some outlets of, you know, yeah. some outlets or some places where people depict some kind yeah. of masculinity and other forms of media would try yeah. to also capture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's also important, you know, we talk about, we talk about sexual play and, mm. and all of that when it comes to consuming uh, boys love text or gay comedy, yaroke, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, my, my interviews with young gay men in Japan like I asked them, what what are you doing? Why why are you consuming boys love? Why are you consuming gekome? And and they tell me, oh oh, you know what? I I, I jerk off over it. You know, it it, mm. it arouses me. Uh, it, it it's sexual content, and and so yeah, it's important to kind of recognize that there, there's like exploration of sexuality, there's empowerment and so forth. But it's you know we can't we can't discount that. That for some gay men in Japan, and I'm almost 100% certain this is outside of Japan too, that, that, there's, that they're pornographic. That they're, used, they're used for the purposes of sexual gratification. And as, as one of my informants kind of yeah. kind of pointed out, it's like, oh, 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 like, you know, who cares if it's written by a woman or who, if it's written by a man? If I, can, if, I, if I can get turned on and if I can come, yeah, great. <laughs> I don't care. Like and, and and that sounds like oh you could sit there going oh my god that that's so naive oh my god that's stupid but you can't delegitimize that voice yeah you, there's an importance of, of of recognizing that sort of consumption practice as well because I mean I, I I say this I uh, the majority of scholarship and the majority of discussion on uh, boys love in you know spaces like Tumblr or whatever mm. focuses on the politics of representation sure mm. fine fascinating and important. But there's more to it than that, and, yeah. and we need to need to really move beyond this kind of very simplistic focus on stylistic uh, aesthetic, aesthetic difference, and, mm. and recognize that these are texts that people are using for specific purposes, mm. and that they are embedded within wider networks of media consumption, and wider um, contexts yeah. as well. And, and I mean, Afujoshi would, mm. I wouldn't know. Mm. Whether Fujoshi's used it for, I mean, oh no, they kind of mm. have. Because mm. remember Mizuguchi Akiko and her virtual lesbian. Yes, yeah. And yeah. so, in, in this notion that, you know, she perceives the author of this particular voice love text as the voice of the seme mm. to her uke or vice mm. versa. Yeah. So, so, there are some women who also view it as a pornographic text. There yeah. are women, like yeah. for example, in my case, where I see it as a site of play. Mm. Um, mm. And then there are also gay men who see it in that way. And then there are, and there are gay men that are seeing it as a site of play as well. Mm. Like, for example, I've recently done research on Chinese gay men who consume boys' love texts, Japanese boys' love texts. Mm-hmm. In China, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a way for them, uh, a resource that they would draw upon in the Chinese context to play around with their their emerging uh, sexual attraction to other men, and and so Boys Love allowed them to have have narratives to understand that play. Um, mm. So yes, even gay men draw upon Boys Love to play. I, I personally reflect 
Um, I started reading Yaoi when I was. Wait, you're pronouncing yeah, it wrong. It's Yaoi. 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 I started reading those texts when I was, I'd say, 15, 16 in high school when、mm. I was struggling with my sexuality.、Mm. Um, I used to be a big fan of、uh, Final Fantasy, like、mm-hmm. video games. And then I stumbled just through the internet, just randomly. Internet. Yeah, I just stumbled apo- across this thing called Yaoi and I found this. This fan fiction that was、uh, mm. Final Fantasy VII, it was、uh, Reno and Rufus. Like, it's like <laughs> a really odd, like, it's a bit of a niche pairing, but it was like super, <laughs> I was super into it. And like that, that was affirming for me.、Mm. Um, and it was only after I became a scholar and, and start, like,、uh, I actually, after like two years of boys' love consumption quite heavily, I got very turned off it and I, I moved、mm. away. And then I only came back to consuming it in the context of my research.、Mm. And, then, and then I still continue to read it as a researcher. But I, I've kind of reopened my interest in it as just like text. But I'm not、yeah. a fan.、Um, and、uh, like for me, it was an important space of play. Yeah. Uh, and for gay men that I've interviewed in Japan, it's an important space of play, but there's more to it than that. It's also, yeah, yeah. It also serves a real life function as a text.、Mm. Um, and boys love gay, call me whatever. They're united in that functional, use based definition.、Yeah. Functional desire. Yeah, yeah. So, no, not functional desire. So, the idea that, that、uh, understandings of these texts. Are mediated not by their genre, not by their style, not by their narrative themes, but how they're used.、Mm. And that's why、uh, I, I think it's important that we step away from this idea of something that is Bada esque and,、yeah. and look at them as texts that are situated within particular contexts、yeah. and then understand how users. Communicate or use those texts.、Yeah. It's, it's called an effective approach. approach. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, and、uh, I talk about autoerotic effect. That's just a fancy way of talking about jacking off to texts. <laughs> but, you know, you, I'm a scholar, I can get away with that. But,、um, yeah. but you've, you've tackled, for example, how not just in Japan, but now、um, gay comics and BL are being consumed by.、Um, Gay individuals and even like, women all、mm. over the world. And we have mentioned earlier how Bara, for example, is a、yes. very important tra- transnational category. Yeah. yeah. And when we speak of transnationalism, we recognize that these are emergent concepts that are、mm. pretty much outside of Japan, related, yes. Yes. still closely related to Or perhaps to disconnected, as I'm beginning to.、Yeah. Yeah. Recently, start to think about.、Yeah. And that's a very controversial position. Some people will be like, what, what are you talking about, Tom? You cannot disconnect it. It's, know, always, it's always it's going con- to be connected to its,、yeah. its core. I'm like, well, I'm But the, the, think of it like a child that's run off its course and it's、yeah. have, you know, basically、mm. taken its own track. And、yeah. that's how I view,、yeah. uh, like, how I view Yaoi, for example,、yeah. outside of Japan and how I view. Bara, for yes, example, yeah, yeah. Outside,、um, outside of Japan, where I cannot really I cannot stop people in Tumblr saying, like, oh, I want to get into this Bara, bara comic, and then they'll actually put someone like 
Black Monkey, for example, or Penguin mm. Frontier, for example, mm. and describe it as bara. Mm. And while I, as a Japanese study scholar, know that you know alarm bells ringing, that's not bara. But, but why? But why? I would say I would say that that is bara. If they were to call it gay komi, that's where I would step in and say that's a problem. It's not. Yeah, yeah but yeah. but it's because <laughs> now we have you know back then I would think uh, yeah, okay. that you know. If you you call that bara, well, bara is a very mm. um, it refers to barazoku, etc. But now we recognize we recognize it as a transnational term. transnational bara for example mm. how is it any different than based on like if, if you have research on it or if you have looked into it is it yeah. any different than what gay comedy is um, how different is it mm. how um, as you put it yeah. how um, what was the term you used functional no d uh, divorced disconnected 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 okay so to answer that question I, I need to almost do something that is extremely counterintuitive and to say that we need to think of Bara as being a stylistic yeah. idea. So throughout this whole podcast, I've been rabbiting on about, been very gay, about gay comedy must be approached as something that is beyond the stylistic. Yeah. However, when we talk about the transnational flow of Bara mm. and the creation of something that I guess we could argue is as the Bara-esque, this is something that is specifically about style mm. and a particular way of drawing and a particular understanding of narrative uh, mm. that represents a transnational uh, reimagining or a transnational understanding of of what was originally a Japan-based phenomenon, which I would call gay comedy. Mm. So, so when we talk about Bara as it transnationalizes, what we need to do is think about the fact that Bada is perhaps now a in the transnational context mm. is is a a stylistic uh, descriptive framework to describe a number of texts that are responding to the tradition of gay komi in Japan. And by gay yeah. komi, you refer to yaroke. I talk. I refer to everything okay. that is gay comedy. So, okay. so, but um, what what's happening is that yes, the, these particular transnational consumers maybe are conflating uh, yaroke and gay comedy together. But mm. I I recognise that they're not. But mm. that, that that's not what's actually happening. But for these for these producers, yes, it is, and that's fine because yeah. they're creating a new culture. Yeah. Uh, Bada is new. It's it's something that is that is divorced from Japan, disconnected from Japan, yeah. that is transnational, yeah. that, that, that is an important stylistic lens, that seeks Japan as its uh, legitimizing voice, its mm -hmm. legitimizing discourse. But Hence is, yeah, using the term yeah, bara. bara. But is fundamentally a transnational concept. Yeah. yeah. And it that's, is yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, there's a side of me I've been looking at... Um, Voice love web comics online. I call yeah. it just BL web comics. But increasingly over the years, mm. um, artists that I have featured mm. specifically identify themselves either as a gay comic, an LGBTQ comic, mm. um, voice love comic, or yaoi comic, mm. and of course, bara, yeah. which I find interesting because 
Mm. Um, it's very aesthetic driven. Yes. These um, definitions, it's, it yeah. all falls under aesthetic style, um, yeah. where you have these para artists who try to look at the yaroke of side, mm. or maybe not even yaroke. They might even look at the hybrid artists yeah. as they're like yeah. Takeshi Matsu yeah. or like. And I actually, um, I'm, I'm coming around to the opinion that the majority of uh, contemporary bara artists in the transnational mm. contexts are probably more closely identified with the hybrid sorts of yes. artistic traditions rather than a strictly yaroke, gay, komi yeah. sort of tradition. Because, Definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's because, it's because of the fact that the majority of these artists, just looking at some of their kind of narratives of their, how they developed their artistic traditions, is that they began, most of them began consuming voice uh, love. love. And in fact, that, that's quite a common narrative outside of... Outside of uh, like Japan is that you you begin with boys love and then your dissatisfaction with boys love leads you to bala whatever bala may be. Mm. Um, and I think yeah. it's primarily mm. true to how um, not that we support it nor mm. not that we completely support it, but we have to acknowledge that it exists. That manga scanlations, for example, these manga sites have yeah. identified particular texts mm. as bara. Yeah. Without really understanding the context of the yeah. term or yeah. understanding the yeah. particular aesthetic that comes with it, yeah. and just identify as um, a specific yeah. um, visual aesthetic yeah. of this muscly yes. yeah. individual yeah. as a bara yeah. aesthetic. I, I think that uh, the work of Black Monkey Pro mm. is a really good example of that because they, uh, Maz Jojo, for example, one of the, the kind of principal artists, mm. um, he's always identified himself as a yaoi artist, always. Mm. But if you go on some uh, manga scanlation sites, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to address you, uh, mm. direct you to them because to do so in the Australian context would be illegal. Yep. Um, is they're classified as bada, and this is not a classification that some of these artists would be using. So mm. Penguin Frontier, another example, would not classify his work and as bada. He perceived yeah. himself as a voice love or yeah. artist. But that being said, his his artistic uh, traditions and also the the artistic sorts of uh, practices of Black Monkey Pro Mess Jojo are clearly inflected by influenced mm. by bada. Uh, mm. And so they're, they're influenced by Bada, which is influenced by gay Gekomi, if that makes sense. Mm. So, so, Gekomi yeah. in the broadest yeah, so, sense. So Gekomi exists at the very top of the kind of hierarchy, and then it's, it's shooting out like rays of influence, and it's hitting kind of Bada, like... which is a transnational thing, and then Bada is shooting out rays of influence that are hitting particular artists in the transnational yeah. space. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should. Uh, maybe I should draw that up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, maybe I, I could probably draft up like yeah. this Venn diagram, where yeah. you have like this gay comics, and then you have shoujo, and then somewhere in between, with boys love kind of coming in yeah. to gay comi, and then you have, of mm. course, yaroke and all the three different types of gay comi that mm. we mentioned yeah. earlier, and then falling out of that. Mm. But somewhere magically yeah. exists in this in this yeah. in, in this a, diagram in and a transnational space. So it needs to mm. have that kind of Japan, non-Japan. Uh, it's it's very complex, and you can see like the fact that we have to talk and about the, it in this way yeah. demonstrates just how complicated what we're looking at really is. Yeah, because um, mm. while while we well, we've been throwing off 
the word transnational here as if mm. you know everybody knows it, but yeah. basically, <laughs> and at least I think in our profession it is very common, oh, yeah, 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 but perhaps yeah, not in this podcast. But the idea of the um, of let's just say this whole transnational notion of Bara is that it operates outside of its country of origin, mm. and that the, its primary participants are not even from Japan, but are yeah. strongly influenced by. Yeah. Um, whether they may, whether mm. there is a strong desire to connect mm. with Japan, you know, we don't know, but mm. for sure that they are, you know, creating their own spaces yeah. and in the process of doing so, manages to somewhat create something new, create something mm. different yeah. that is completely, dif- uh, completely divorced or completely disconnected from yeah. what's happening in Japan. It's yeah. not like I'm not saying that they have no Japanese influence mm. because the likes of Maz Jojo and Penguin Frontier are very popular at the Dojinji site called DL site, which is Japan based, mm. and people can get their games. Which we can talk about because it's it's legal. <laughs> you can't access it in Australia. Yes, yeah. You can't access it everywhere. So if you're Australian and listen to this, do not go to the outside. Yeah. Um, for reasons that, for your own good, especially if you're a white man. Yes. Such as me. Particular yeah. age. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even if you're a girl. Yeah. Just don't. Just look, don't, 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 don't. Actually, and, and you know what? Like, actually, this is a good point in time to, to kind of highlight that in the Australian context, which is the context that both Kirsten and I have to kind of speak from a little bit. Yeah. Um, some gay komi, yaroke gay komi yeah. art would be considered illegal under Jap- uh, under Australian law. So even it, boys yeah, love, yeah, even boys love. So so yeah. that's 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 important. But yeah, it's know, important. Yeah. Um, well, we're saying this. I think we're saying this to kind of protect ourselves. Um, yeah, we so, kind of have to. We're, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to suggest people go out and look at this. When I go stuff. back to Manila, we can drop this stuff. But while I'm still here in this continent, I have to abide by this law. Yeah. And but it's 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 true. It also adds to the whole complexity of this, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. of this genre, where you know um, a lot of the reason why these transnational bara is emerging in places like even here in Australia, it would probably be different, but. Mm-hmm compared to how gay komi is in Japan, mm. is basically because of particular laws that prevent people from mm. creating works that are pretty much, mm. that takes 100% after what they're doing in Japan. Yes, because you couldn't. Because you couldn't, yeah. you know, for some censor- censorship reasons, yeah. um, stuff that my yeah. Mark Lennon has yeah. been, uh, writing about. been writing about. Um, there and it, and it's it's an entire problem altogether, especially in Southeast Asia where some of these artists reside. I won't name countries, but yeah, they have strong um, anti-homosexual yeah, uh, laws against, against them, yeah. these kinds of materials. So um, yeah, and it's quite interesting, really, um, how this bar is emerging. And the thing with, for example, the states. Um, Digital manga publishing has also introduced um, this interesting term that yeah. captures this hybrid BL that we were talking about, which they call yabara. Um, yeah, uh, for yaoi yeah. and and you bara. guys, you guys can't see my face, but I'm cringing a little bit. To be so honest. am I. Yeah. It is, yeah. it is. Um, 
TMP has been releasing a couple of statements in their Kickstarters that um, artists like Sakira, for example, mm. uh, captured this uh, hybrid BL that we have been talking about that has aesthetics from Bara or Gay Komi and also has BL narrative aesthetics. Yeah. And so they kind of want to bring these two worlds together by because creating this. Make money. <laughs> yes, maybe, or maybe it's a noble effort to really. Or maybe they can push different types. Sorry, as a as a. No, but, yeah, but yeah. it's a different politics yeah. altogether. But it's interesting that these things are emerging in an effort to um, kind of bridge or kind of identify, which I find problematic in a in a. I find it problematic because it kind of pushes this new identity that's not. It's more complex than that. Yes. Well, I mean, and, and I, I know that you're, you're kind of thinking, oh, God, Tom, shut up. But I think that it's important to talk about that there's clearly a commercial interest here. No, that, no that's that, perfectly that, fine. That, that, um, that for, a, for a, any publisher, so I'm not, I'm not particularly going after mm. this particular publisher, mm. of whom I'm actually mostly unfamiliar, um, mm. is that it makes, it makes sense to monetize the hybridity. Because then you have these two distinct audiences who aren't necessarily uh, normatively consuming across this sort of gap to yeah. kind of start, oh, if there's Yabara, then we can, I'm a Bada fan and I don't like Yaoi, but this makes Yaoi safe, I'll buy it. Right, so that, that's important. We can't, we can't discount that. Um, when we understand these, these yeah, so commercial my, genres, yes, my 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 focus on these being my focus on these being texts and media texts that people engage with needs to needs to be firmly situated within a recognition that they're monetized, they're commoditized. So uh, this is possibly um, where a lot of fans will kind of get snitchy with me, mm. but. Uh, no, but it's yeah, true. But it's true, and, and and it's something we need to recognize. I mean, yeah. that's how yeah. BL emerged. I mean, boys love in Japan is a massive industry. Yeah, it's a massive industry, and and, and uh, I couldn't give you figures for the. Well, I could if I could be I bothered could going give, looking for them. I could give her Dojinshi, yeah. which yeah. is one point six billion yen. Yeah, the uh, the the so called uh, gay uh, gay publishing industry in Japan, uh, which I have figures from twenty fifteen for, which includes. Uh, uh, gay, gay magazines, uh, gay comedy, whatever that is, and GV, um, is, is something like 17 billion yen. That's a lot of money. That's a lot That's of money. That's a huge amount of money. Um, and like that, that's, that, that's huge. Uh, and, and it's, it's mostly driven by pornography. Um, but, and but, how and yeah, that amount yeah. is just for the local market. I yeah, think. just the local market. Yeah, um, and it's and, and I'd say like about seventy percent of that is probably or maybe sixty percent is is definitely the pornography. But yeah, which now makes mm. me raise this question that as Bara becomes transnational, do you think that Gate Coming is actually looking outside as well? Are they also looking like at artists in Japan? Artists in Japan. Artists, artists I mean, Tagama Genkaro clearly is. But let's just remember that Japanese publishers are very, very hesitant. I mean, Japan has one of the world's largest publishing markets. Japanese publishers don't need to go outside in order to be profitable. So, no, these, these, I, no, absolutely, I would happily concede like with 90% 
kind well, of... They, it's, yeah. it's really more yeah. of with the likes of Massive, uh, outsiders looking in and just yeah. giving these yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. But none of them are really trying to find a way yeah. to directly yeah. engage or directly produce no. gay comics. No, outside of outside of Japan. No, it's I mean, much I mean, Tagame has Tagame, Tagame has a, has a political reason for doing what he's done, and and as I said, I personally find it somewhat problematic, but whatever. Um, so so the reason that he reached out to these people and they reached out to him was because he personally was happy. To do so, and and gay like these these smaller publishers of, of gay comedy in Japan, yeah, they they're not they're not mainstream publishers, so mm-hmm. they might leap on the chance. But mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of this stuff, it's important to recognize that, like for example, uh, the the gay magazine that I analyze, Buddy, is not collected uh, in the National Diet Library of Japan. It's, it's because of its pornographic content. So most gay manga in Japan is not considered like, uh, like a cultural artifact, yeah, so to speak, yeah, yeah, by, yeah, yeah. by the Japanese government. They're not collecting it. It's, it's not considered, it's hard to explain. Like, uh, it, it's really difficult to explain, but it's outside mainstream publishing. It very much is it, to the same extent, but even Dojinchi, there's Dojinchi in the National Diet Library, which is just a little bit odd. Not yeah, much, the, but, it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not even good Dojinchi. It's not even bad Dojinchi. Yeah. It's it's basically just zines that were published. Yeah. Some are erotic. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. they got in, yeah. but they're but the there. But the fact that they're there, there's no yeah. like, there's there's none of this is in. And in, boys yeah. love, for example, BL manga in the Diet Library is also selective. There's some. Mm. Mag anthologies that are there, and there are some that aren't. Mm, but the fact that it's there is the point. Like, mm. this stuff is just gay manga no. is not there. I mean, maybe Takami Genkuro is, and that's because he has a bit of a prestige position. Mm. Um, but you know, Takami Genkuro, I mean, the, the, the mainstream of Takami Genkuro has only occurred after he went overseas. And this is this is just a basic pattern in Japanese. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I don't I don't want to go into that. It's it's too complicated, and, and I think we're running out of time. So, with all of these in mind, let's just to kind of wrap it up. Where is Gate Komi heading to? What's the future for mm. Gate Komi? First, perhaps in Japan, okay. and then we can think about it. Okay. In a... So to 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 answer that question, I want to kind of sum up the major differences between Gekomi and Bala that I have, have talked about in this podcast. Gekomi is is a primarily uh, publishing-based phenomenon. It's, yeah. it's situated within uh, understandings of what should be published and who, who publishes what. Bala is a transnational concept which... Uh, reflects on gay comic and it reflects on a particular kind of gay comic that isn't all gay comic yeah. uh, and is instead a stylistic narrative. So that, that, that's the two fundamental differences. Okay, so to talk about the future, um, I, I believe that the hybridization of gay comic and boys' love will, will become uh, more, more commonplace. I think that with uh, the publication of Ototo no Oto, uh, there might be more of a space for for uh, gay comic artists to publish in more mainstream spaces. Um, and I think that this idea of gay manga, this hybrid idea of, of there being a gay manga, 
um, which is a, an amalgamation of Boys Love and Gekome, will become possibly more uh, normalized. So this this idea that that uh, that there is there is a a symbiosis between the two mm. might become more normalized. Whether that normalization occurs in mainstream culture or whether it occurs at the level of level of subculture, mm. I'm not willing to make judgments on that. Yeah. Um, what is the future of Bada? I think that um, hopefully, my, my hope is that that uh, as this this uh, kind of stylistic transna- transnational stylistic uh, practice develops, mm-hmm. that hopefully some of the uh, kind of oppositional discourses against boys' love will, will somewhat decrease as people become more and more aware of the fact that they're that there is many different types of geikomi in Japan. Mm. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I'm motivated to give this podcast, Mm. is so that people who are fanishly consuming bara texts um, can recognise that bara is is drawing upon only a subsection of gay comics in Mm. Japan, and that that the world is much wider. Mm. And hopefully... With with what I what I'd love to ideally see is the work of artists such as Black Monkey Pro or they're now known as Herculeon, I think, okay. and and artists like Penguin Frontier to move into Japan mm-hmm. like Guilt Pleasure did, for instance. Yeah. And and by moving into Japan, shaking up some of the discourse. Not not that Japan needs to have the outside fix it. That's that's not what I'm saying. Mm. But what I want to see is the transnationalization of of Bada, Bada as as disconnected from Japan to re-enter Japan and re-energize what's happening there. And I, I think that that might happen. Widen, for example, to mm. open the engagement because that's what happened with um, mm. the the that's what happened when um, guilt pleasure came. Like for yes. example, guilt pleasure is actually identified by foreign fans as Bada. For example. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, but it's yeah. not. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Um, they, they, <laughs> they, they identify themselves as boys lover, you know, artists, yeah. etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Bada is pretty much the last of their concern, but they are identified. And funnily enough, in Japan, mm-hmm. they are advertised as Amekomi or American comics. Yeah. Um, although under the umbrella of boys love. Yes. Yeah. And what, what they did was quite interesting because after seeing that boys love the industry not the genre per se mm. the industry become cognizant of all of these emerging boys love artists from all over the globe and now you have Korean artists coming yeah. in contributing more boys love and identifying themselves as Korean rather than being lost under yeah. a Japanese name yeah. Yeah. Um, there are also foreign artists who are more mm. Uh, who are engaging in doujinshi spaces or in mm. fan spaces? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah and um, and that's great. It's 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 mm. this engagement rather than Japan and the world. Now there's yeah. this kind of like nice community, a very yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. open community yeah. that's welcoming yeah. to yes. all forms. And, of, and that that idea of welcoming, I think, is a great way to end this because what I what I'd like to say is that yeah, there, there's there is there's quite at times rather vitriolic debate mm. about the authenticity of uh you know 
Boys Love versus Butter, Butter. and and there there's quite. I mean, I know that it's the nature of fans to fight amongst themselves, uh, but standing as a fan, as a non-fan looking in, uh, and, and this might might make your listeners hate me, but I feel that no. I have to say it is that it, it's not productive. It's yeah. really not, and 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 a recognize a recognition of of uh, the complexities of these genres and an empathy towards mm. how they operate in transnational spaces, uh, I, think, I think is important. And I yeah. think that will move, move, uh, move things onward in a more positive direction that will have clear benefits to, like, for example, LGBT rights movements and so forth, yeah. um, which is something I haven't really spoken about today, but it's also something I think about quite yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And on that note, yeah. thank you, sir. Thank you so much, Tom, for your yeah. time and for this talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for providing me with an opportunity to. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I hope that I hope that it will stimulate some some form From of discussion debate or yeah. debate. At least, at least, uh, given some people some food for thought. You don't necessarily need to agree with everything that I've said. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I hope that people. Have found that's the nature of discourse. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just yeah. a nice, healthy discourse like this without bitch, please shut up, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for your time, Tom. And um, on that note, goodbye. Let's that ends part two of this podcast of gay manga i want to thank thomas for his time and for his wonderful insights on this complex yet wonderful genre that continues to shape queer popular culture in the whole world if you want to see some of the things we mentioned or read the articles thomas and i have cited in this podcast please check the show notes at punknoodle.com slash if you have any comments with regards to the show leave a comment on the show notes or send me a tweet at kirsten or send thomas a tweet at tbodinet or email me at punknoodle at gmail.com if you enjoyed this podcast subscribe over at itunes anyway thank you for listening and until the next episode goodbye